Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining me today in this podcast. Let's get started. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you find purpose after tragedy. I'll also be interviewing author Patty Wellacall, who shares every mother's nightmare and how from that she was able to find her purpose. Did you know that on jamesmillerlifeology.com, you can enroll in the academy I created for listeners just like you? I've created courses you can take at your own pace, which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Enroll in one of the classes today. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but many of you do not know me as a composer. My latest album, Restoration, was just released. Restoration is a continuation of the first album, Consolation. I like to think of these albums like books. Each original composition is written like a chapter in a book. And like in any story, the character goes from a sense of grief and loss, and at the end of Consolation finds hope for his future. In Restoration, he has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which are not healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, becoming greater than he was before. You may purchase this album on iTunes or any other digital music store. The name of the album is Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is entitled Awakening. A frustrated young man went to see the wise man in his village. I don't know what to do with my life. How do I find my purpose? The young man asked. Follow me, said the old man. Silently, they trudged to a faraway river when they found dozens of prospectors panning for gold. There are three types of prospectors here. What do you mean? The young man inquired. There are those who strike gold straight away. Excited, they take their plunder, cash it in, and live comfortably for the rest of their lives. Then there are those who pan for years. They know that there is gold here and that they have seen others strike it rich, so they persist until they too find the gold that they've been searching for. What about the third type, asked the young man. They are the individuals who get frustrated that they haven't found what they're looking for, so after a day, a week, or a year, or maybe more, they give up, walk away, and never find gold. Slightly confused, the young man asked, what has that got to do with me finding my purpose? Ah, yes, the age-old question. The old man smiled and looked his companion in the eyes. There are those in life who look for their purpose and seem to find it almost immediately. From a young age, they have a clear sense of purpose and pursue their dreams with energy and enthusiasm. Some others have to look a bit harder, perhaps for many years, but if they persist and regardless of heartache and pain, they will find something to live for. Finally, there are those who want to know their purpose, but they become frustrated with the search and give up too soon, returning to the life of meaningless wandering. So how do I find my own purpose? The young man asked. Keep looking. Use everything you've experienced, especially heartache and tragedy, because those often open up a different path than what you expected. Finding purpose after tragedy. There's a saying that says, rain falls on the just and the unjust, meaning that regardless of the type of person you are, Unfortunately, we're all going to experience something that rocks our world. In previous episodes, I've talked about what's called radical acceptance. In my field, that term basically means you radically accept what's happened in your life, regardless of if you agree with it or not, regardless if it was fair or not, regardless of what your perception is. The fact of the matter, it's happened, and what do you do then? One of the most difficult things for anybody when they've experienced some type of tragedy or some type of grief is not getting stuck in that mentality or that mindset. When you radically accept it as it is, then it gives you an opportunity to determine what you're going to do with it. 
it's such a fine line of experiencing grief versus it then becoming who you are. You then become the person who's bitter or who's angry or who's continually sad. And by no means am I minimizing any of those emotions because those are part of the stages of grief. The stages of grief are essentially denial, anger, depression, bartering, and finally acceptance. And they're not necessarily in any particular order, but you're going to experience all of these emotions. And sometimes you may stay longer in a certain stage than others. And then just before you get to acceptance, those stages can start all over again. So I really want us to learn how to process the grief, but then do something proactively with that grief. It's really unnecessary for you to figure out who you were before the tragedy struck. In other words, what attributes did you possess? Were you the person who was always laughing, who always had a smile on their face, who was always a positive, upbeat person? And sometimes it may be difficult to remember what that is, but you can always ask your peers, ask your family members to maybe give you some descriptive words of who you were then. And then upon reflection, you want to ask yourself, well, with a radical acceptance that you have in the moment, would you like to go back to be that person? Would you like to return to that personality type that you had before? Because without any type of direction, we will feel as if the grief will last forever. There's something that we call emotional forecasting, and I've written an article on that on my website, and which essentially talks about what we feel in the moment we project to be our future, and it will always be that way. And in doing that, it just creates a cycle of hopelessness and helplessness. So going back to this, when you can figure out what the attributes are that you had before, that gives you a good baseline to say, well, I want to return to that. Now, I really want us to recognize that nothing can take the place of what was lost or perhaps the trauma that happened, but we're not looking at what was, we're looking at what is today. So recreating those characteristics gives you the baseline of saying, okay, how do I get back to that? Who is this person I want to become? How am I able to take this grief and process it in a way which helps me then add it to the depth of my personality to maybe give me purpose, to be able to help me understand the people around me in a different way? Grief itself often feels very impotent. In other words, it feels as if there's no movement with it. When you grieve, we often get lost in the memories of something that's happened, or we get lost in what, like I said earlier, what was versus what is. And in doing that, it feels like there's no sense of movement or no sense of hope, really, of how your future looks. So I really want us to learn how to take something that feels so inactive and move it to something proactive. And that's when you can take that personality profile you had before and now implement it into who you are today to reset you back to your default, if you will, of who your personality is. And then once you do that, that's when it starts to open up a world of, okay, so this is something I've experienced. Now I need to see what are the lessons I learned about this? What are the lessons I learned about myself when I felt like there was no hope in my future, but I found hope? What lessons I learned about the people around me? How do they support me? Who supported me? Who did not support me? Those types of things are important. The lessons we learn in any trial and tribulation we experience gives us the ability to then know how to deal with something in the future should we experience those strong emotions again. There's always a lesson to learn. And when we cause that grief to become our new personality profile, that then changes us in a way that is not proactive. It's reactive in the sense of what that grief has done to us, which does not allow us to overcome it because then it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes who we are. It becomes our identity. When you can understand the lessons that you've learned about your personality, about perhaps your faith, about the people around you, of everything that happened, it helps you then create a broader spectrum of how you want your life to go. 
One thing I always really encourage people to be careful of is when you try and figure out the reason why something happened. Why did this person leave me? Why did this person pass away? Why did I lose my job? Why was my house foreclosed on? Those things will never make sense. When we get stuck in the why of the event, it doesn't allow us to switch to the now of the event, which means I will never understand it, but I do understand the lessons I learned about it. And that will then help me to be stronger in my personality, in my life, in my belief system, in all the things around me. So the difficulty is not to get stuck into figuring out what happened because you'll never understand it. Things just don't make sense. But when you can put it in the category of now, what do I do? What did I learn? That then opens up a whole new world of things for you to do. And sometimes people can find the purpose of who they truly are because that event awoke something inside of them, which that was their outlet. That was the way in which they're able to process their grief. And in that processing of their grief, it caused their personality, perhaps interest, perhaps mindset on what they focus to open up and become broader than what they experienced before, which then can sometimes launch them into their purpose, launch them into their path. And by no means would I ever wish any tragedy on anybody, but it is good to understand grief is going to end The responsibility that we all have is to determine, does that grief become a lifestyle or does it become part of something we experienced? And in doing that, resetting yourself back to your previous personality profile allows you to move forward in the direction you want to go. And once you have that new depth of who you are and what you've learned, it will then afford you the ability to reanalyze your life and determine which direction you want to go. You'll be so surprised that perhaps your new life, your new venture, your new purpose will be birthed out of something that was so tragic. A quick example of one of the courses you'll find in the academy entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. (laughs) We've all experienced when nothing seems to go right. This class specifically helps you process the event, regroup, and use what was thought as a stumbling block and turn it into a stepping stone. Enroll in it today. My guest today is author Patty Wellick-Hall, who experienced every mother's worst nightmare twice. She is going to share her story of heartache and loss and her realization that she could remain stuck with her grief or to step into the life that she was meant to create. Welcome to my show, Patty. Oh, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, James. I appreciate that. It is such an honor to finally meet you in person. You know, when I was reading the bio, the information that you had sent me, I was just so overwhelmed. I I can't even imagine one loss, but to go through another loss twice uh, in many different ways, I I just, I can't imagine that. So I'm really looking forward uh, to having you share your life lessons and all that you've experienced to help some of my listeners today who may be going through some of those same things themselves. I'm looking forward to it too. <laughs> That's wonderful. So now you're an author. And so I'm, my assumption is, and this is uh, before we get started, but so you've written two books, is that correct? I did. I wrote a children's book called Believe, and then that was translated into Spanish, Creer. And then my latest one that came out in November of last year is my memoir, A Mother's Dance, One Step Back, Two Steps Forward, Full Circle. Wow. And now that title itself is so powerful. I mean, it's, it encompasses so much. <laughs> well, it's kind of motherhood when you think about it. You're sure. not a mother, dude. You know, you probably <laughs> understand what I'm talking about. Yes. We're always going forward, then backwards, and then hopefully coming full circle. Yes, exactly. Now you've, like I said in the intro, you've been through some really traumatic things in your life. Would you be willing to share part of your story with us? Sure, I would love to. Um, when my son was admitted to the Medical University of South Carolina, mm-hmm tagged as John Doe, and given only 24 hours to live. Oh, my gosh. I refused to accept his death sentence. Wow. And miraculously, he does recover. Really? But on the heels of his recovery, 
tragedy strikes again. And then I'm really faced with the decision, you know, do I, you know, just stay stuck in my grief Mm -hmm. or do I go on and create the life that I was meant to create? Yeah. Well, that's such a powerful question to ask yourself. I think so many people do get stuck in that grief, that cycle, that pattern, and it becomes kind of permeates their whole life. And so everything they look at, it's kind of clouded with that lens of grief. And it's just such a very devastating feeling to have. And, you know, James, I think it came, it didn't come right away. It took a while. I think it's very important to honor grief. Mm -hmm. You have to go through the stages. But I woke up one day and I said, oh, my God, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of being in grief. What's the opposite? How can I change this around? And I knew, like we all do, no matter what happens in life, if we're still here, we owe it to ourselves to create the life that we were meant to create. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to miss a I didn't want to miss one heartbeat. Yeah. Not a second. I think you said something that's really powerful. Well, everything you said is powerful, but just the part of of just really really honoring that grief. You know, sometimes we have an initial response to something or initially reaction to something. But once that initial reaction subsides, then it becomes our choice to determine what we're going to feel, what, how we're going to look at the world, what we're going to do. And I think sometimes people forget that they do have that choice or they do cause a, a momentary, or when I say momentary, I don't mean to minimize anything, but initial reaction then all of a sudden becomes a lifestyle when it was never meant to be that. Exactly. And, you know, we, can, we have a choice, like you've said many times, we can become prisoners to the past or you can go forward and create something completely new. And, you know, let your wings soar. Let you know, step into something that you never even dreamed that you would. And I mm-hmm. think you open your heart and say, I'm ready to create this life. Things come your way. Yes, they do. Now, when you were going through these, these cycles of grief yourself or this cycle of grief, who were the people that were really kind of supported you through this time? Well, family, of course, mm-hmm. family all around me and dear, dear friends. But I do a lot. Everybody handles grief differently. And for me, um, it was important for me to go forward, to do, to go about my job. I really didn't want pity for what had happened in my life. Mm-hmm. So to maintain as much as to continue to bring out joy or to be as present as I possibly could. But it was the alone time. Mm. It's, and I'm one of these people, if I'm going to mourn, I'm going to mourn by myself. I'm going to cry like I've never cried before. Yes. And myself 24 hours to just feel it to the depth of my toes all the way through to my bones and then release it and then I was able to pick up again you see this all happened James in 2002 Mm. and the the cycle of the book doesn't finish till 2004 and I continued in my job um, until 2009 and um, at that time the economy happened I lost my job ended up from New York down to um, Charleston. And um, at that time, all of the stuff that I had stuffed just started like a volcano blowing. Oh my gosh. And I had to face the pain. I had to face everything. And I thought, I can't, I don't know what to do with all this. So I never thought I would be a writer, never in my wildest dreams. And but I, the only way I could do it was to write it. And as I was writing, I was releasing, and then I was releasing. Mm. So for me, that's what really helped. And 
you know, I started out writing this book thinking, oh, my God, I've got to write this book to help other people, you know, who are going through similar situations. But what I discovered, I mean, it wasn't until the end either. I was the one that was healed. Wow. It was me. Yeah. It came, it, that came full circle too. I think that's such a profound realization that we all have that through trauma, through pain, through heartache, there can be something that, that can be grown out of that. Let me back up here. I, th- I think it's often difficult because sometimes people think, well, when I've lost something, nothing can take its place. And you're absolutely right. Nothing can take its place. But to look at a different version of who you are and a different version of one's life affords the ability for something new to grow and to not take its place, but to sense there's space there to all of a sudden allow for you to have a different shift as far as your perception of the world, how you fit into the world. And that's where something can grow out of that. And sometimes people even do, you know, have some type of uh, memorial of how they can really honor the loss of someone that they've been with. But I think it's really important to, if you get caught up in what was versus what is today, it can really stop someone from allowing something beautiful to come out of a loss. I agree with you. Um, I think it was very important for me to find out to switch directions and find out what really would make me happy. Mm-hmm. And I knew my son would not have wanted me to just stay stuck in grief. Mm-hmm. I knew he would say to me, come on, mom, you got a life to live. Okay. Yeah. Get going. You got things to do. So I changed my whole life. As I mentioned to you just a little while ago, I started a radio show and I mm-hmm. named it radio because I wanted joy in my life. Yeah. I wanted to experience it. I wanted it back. It had been gone for so long. And the only way I could do that was actually by having, there's so like you and I are on the same track. There's so many people out there with so many beautiful stories. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if I can get, you know, to step into their shoes and enjoy what they've gone through, it it's, it you know, you're giving and receiving at the yes. same time. And it fed my spirit and it fed my soul. Yes, that's amazing. Now, some of the things you had mentioned before, things I was reading about you, is you said that your faith was kind of rejuvenated, reinvigorated. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, when they told me that he wasn't going to live, my son wasn't going to live 24 hours, um, I and the kids would say to me, Mom, what are the doctors saying? And I said, they don't know what God knows. Yes. From the minute I got that 24-hour you know, prognosis, um, I said, that's not going to happen. And I didn't know, and I didn't know where that was coming from, but I had, I was a mountain standing strong and nobody was going to knock me down. Nobody. And I went down, it was, um, wasn't even 24 hours after his accident. And I was in the uh, gift shop and standing before me was a box of mustard seeds. And with the quote, if you have the faith mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, you can move from here to there. Nothing yes. is impossible. And James, I bought the whole box. Fatty, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I talked to everybody and I said, I do not want to hear one negative word. Not yeah. one negative word. I am taking my boy home with me. Nice. I am. And I did. Wow. But it wasn't the boy that I thought I was taking home. Mm. Because when you have a traumatic brain injury, you know, and he also had frontal lobe damage. Mm. I brought home the shell of my son. Yeah. But I did not bring home the boy that I remembered. Sure. 
Yeah, and that in itself is, is so many levels of grief there from all the hopes and aspirations and dreams that you had for who you would become versus the person that was in front of you that, in that moment. Yes, and he was only 19 years old. Oh, my goodness, Patty. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, was living life large, was enjoying every single minute, and his, it was a motorcycle accident. So mm-hmm. his motorcycle crashed into the back of a pickup truck. Oh, my gosh. Oh, and I'll tell you a really interesting story. I don't know if you're into synchronicity or anything like that, sure, but I, I so believe in that. Well, after, as I told you, he did heal, and it was probably, oh, I don't know if it was eight, nine months later, he was going to Washington, D.C., and he was going to visit his girlfriend and um, in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. He was on a train. And he was, you know, stepped outside to have a cigarette. And there was another guy that was out there and he's apologizing to the guy. And he says, I'm sorry if I talk a little funny, but, you know, I just had this injury and stuff like that. And the guy said, well, where'd you have it? And he said, in Charleston. And he said, when? And um, Casey told him when it was. And he said, what street? And Casey told him he was the guy that was behind his car and called 911. Oh my gosh. Wow. What a serendipitous moment. Oh, I know. I mean, there were so many moments like this. I can't even tell you. We, it would, it would take about 10 of these shows. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Friday. That's, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And Casey actually hugged him and said, dude, you saved my life. Wow. And, what a blessing for both of them in such a, yeah. a powerful, profound way. It was, it was really, there was, I'm just telling you, it was raining angels during this mm. whole entire thing. And I was supported by the angels and in so, so many ways. Yeah. Um, and, I, and that was a gift because I don't know if I could have done it. I, you know, I, I went down to the abyss and somehow, some way got the strength and found my wings and was able to come out of there. So, yeah. Well, I think even just having, you know, when you talked about the grain of the mustard seed and how that was kind of analogous or kind of representation of your faith. But even though after that situation happened with your son and with the 24-hour prognosis they gave him, your faith was still there. It may be in a different way, but that faith, that faith component is still almost like a reservoir. So the faith may have changed. And so it may not have been as obvious then, but still you had that faith. And in that faith component allowed for you to have that realization of saying, I don't want to do this anymore. Enough is enough. I'm tired of living this life of grief. And so I think faith can come out in many different ways. Sometimes it's, it's a kind of like a slow evolving version of it, but once it really happens and, and, and is explodes from us and all of a sudden our life just changes in a way that we never even thought we could. Or sometimes we have so many blind spots in our life. We don't even realize that we're stuck in a certain way until all of a sudden that faith that we've stored up in other areas of our life just comes flooding out. I agree with you. And you know, I really wouldn't have gone my, the tracks that I took in life or different tracks that I've taken in life are all because of what happened. Mm. So, you know, you don't know why things happen. You just have to trust that they're happening for a reason and believe that. And you got to give it your all, no matter what you got to push through the pain. You got to push through the suffering. You got to push until you got nothing left to push. And then you got to get up and you got to push some more. So, you know, I feel like that's what I've done. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God. 
Yes. Well, you know, I think anytime we isolate an, an incident, then it doesn't make sense. But when we think of our life like a jigsaw puzzle, that every single piece, it comes together to make, create a beautiful tapestry, a beautiful picture, which is essentially our life. And so when you isolate one of those pieces, let's say you have a, a box full of, of puzzle pieces and you can tell where the corners are, you can tell where some of the other figures are, but some of those just don't seem like they fit anywhere in the puzzle. And you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Or this is a really ugly piece, or this is a black piece, or a really dark piece. And gosh, I have no idea where that's going to go. So when you look at it by itself, it doesn't make sense. But when you can see how it fits together in that in that beautiful tapestry, that's when it starts to make sense. Now, it doesn't mean we when we think about it on its own in the tapestry that it makes sense, because of course it won't. I mean, it makes no sense that your son got into that motorcycle accident. But the aftermath of that, of how that fits into how you were able to become a writer, how you're on my show today, how you started your own radio show, how you've done all these other things, that is then interwoven into that tapestry. And that's how things make sense, if you will. We'll never understand the whys or the hows or what ifs of life. But what we can understand is what do we do with it, with the outcome? And how does it make sense in the totality of our life and not just in the isolated moment? Oh, I agree. And you know what? Have fun with it. I mean, once you get to the point, have fun with it because we only got this one life. Yeah. Anyway. And um, I want to go through, hopefully, touching other people as many people touched me during my grief. And I want to give back. You just yeah. always want to give back. And it, I, it can be as simple as making somebody smile, doing a kind deed, whatever it is. It's become 10 times more important to me to do that. And I think another thing that has come from it is the compassion for mm-hmm. other people because we're so e- quickly can judge another person, but you never know what that person's going through, why that person is in a grumpy old mood. You don't know if they just received the worst news of their whole entire life. Mm -hmm. My heart is opened. My heart is opened a lot. It's, yeah, it's definitely finding that just our perception of, of who other people are is often not the case at all. Because like you said, we all have our own world, our own struggles, our own thoughts, everything we're, we've experienced in life. So really, I, it sounds like just really finding that compassion and just that openness of accepting people for who they are. You know, their shortcomings, their strengths and areas in which they're growing, but just really helping people just to be them and just simply having a smile on your face or doing something that can maybe encourage them in some way is such a powerful gift we can give to our neighbor whom we may not even know. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me more about your, your podcast. I started it in uh, 2011 and that was really when the, um, I told you I got sick and tired of being, Mm -hmm. and um, mainly um, interview authors, spiritualists, people that I really kind of searched out and I read about a little bit about their stories and would go after them and would say, I just, Think that you've got a story that could be inspirational to other people. It could help them heal. It could help to empower them. It could just make a difference in their lives. And so I just, it's, it was a blog talk radio. And, um, but like I said, I've t- kind of taken a sabbatical in between writing and, um, trying to get uh, working on another book. So, um, wow. I had that time, but hopefully come in the, um, uh, winter of next year, I'll be able to pick it up again. Oh, that's many- wonderful. Yeah, there's too many things in the world to do. <laughs> Not enough time. I just said if I just had about three of me, I could really crank this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Now, I wanted to go back and ask you, so when you had written your book, Believe, did you write that out of your the loss as well, or had you written prior to that? That was actually, yes. One, I wrote Believe because I had to find closure. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's very, very important for everybody to find what it is. I don't care if you create a scrapbook. I don't care what you do. But for me, it came out in writing. And also, I um, did watercolor and really was toying with getting an illustrator for that book. But my friend said to me, only you can draw the pictures that depict your life and your story. So I did. And I would say, you know, I really didn't think about it really going for sales and stuff like that. This was really for, for me. But what I decided when I was done was the most important thing that we can do when we have a loss is to honor in any way we can beautiful gifts that that person left behind with us. And so every year on uh, his birthday, balloons go up and my daughter joins me and we say a little prayer and we watch him as they dance through the sky. That's beautiful. I've always felt that he's right there. He's picking him and he's saying, got him, mom. Thanks. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) You know, so, um, yeah. So everybody's got to find that was for me for closure. Exactly. That's beautiful. Well, Patty, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and your books and all the amazing things that you're doing, where would they find your information online? They can go to my website, which is pattywellichall.com, and I'll spell that, which is P-A-T-T-I-E-W-E-L-E-K-H-A-L-L.com. And the books are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, and, you know, through mainly any kind of ebook that you can find. They're all available there. Oh, another thing I'm really excited about, James, is A Mother's Dance, One Step Back, Two Steps Forward, Full Circle, uh, just won finalist in the Best Book Awards 2016. Really? Yay. That is amazing. That is so (laughs) wonderful. Well, Patty, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on my show and having you share your wisdom and all your life experiences. It's been a truly been a blessing. Thank you so much. It was a blessing for me, too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I also want to thank you, the listener, for joining with us today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today. Also, please visit my website where you may enroll in Lifeology Academy, read my published articles, and watch all my YouTube episodes I created just for you. If you'd like to become a show sponsor or become a guest, please visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.